At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 220. What's going on? I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. Mitch, what's up, buddy? Not a whole lot. I was talking to you about my day and it was quite uneventful. Just... Going about the motions, making sure my kids don't throw up. Elliot has been throwing up the last couple of days. He seems fine now, so he's going to go back to school. But it's it's always super crazy stressful when one kid goes down with something because then it's just like shut down city. What walls are we putting up? Who can we let in? Who can we not? Where can they go? Do both have to stay? It's just the whole kind of gambit of like decision making that we didn't have to do like a year ago, which is fine. It is what it is. It's just, oh my God, I can't wait for COVID to be over, whatever that is. No, exactly. That's, I'm not in that position yet, but I could only imagine just the trying to put out the fires of just one kid being sick and then, oh no, what what's going to happen with our other, or us too. Like as a parent, I'm sure you get it. Yeah, so it's like they they don't take rational decisions either. Like he's throwing up, and I'm going, buddy, I've got some gravel here for you that will help you. And he's like, no, I don't like that. What do you mean? I don't like the taste of it. Well, I'm sorry. I never liked Buckley's, but I had that shoved down my throat to stop my coughing, and it worked. So, buddy, you don't want to throw up? Take the gravel. No, no, I'm a power through it. The six-year-old says, unbelievable. More power to him, I guess. He but. did not, though, power through it at all. <laughs> Understandable. Um, What's going on with you? <laughs> this is going to be uh, just the polar opposite, but I, I am enjoying um, a nice beverage over here. I was feeling in a very fall mood today. I don't know. It was kind of okay. cool weather-wise, and it's been warm for the fall. I don't know if we're up there for you guys if it's been a little warmer than usual, but... That's been the case at least here on the island, but it felt a little cool today. So it's uh, a Hudson whiskey, or from yeah, the Hudson Whiskey Company, and it's wi- uh, what is it? Rye whiskey finished in maple syrup barrels, and it has like a little hint of like it tastes like you're drinking an alcoholic pancake. It's phenomenal. Yeah, we have that. Uh, it's called Sartilage here, and it is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine what that tastes like. Oh God. Mm. So, so I'm feel- tasty. I'm feeling very festive and ready to talk some hockey now. Yeah, because, oh my God, buddy, nothing's happening. <laughs> nothing's Dude, happening. We were talking before, like, hitting the record button here. The fact that they've played one game since the last time we recorded, that's insane, man. They 
have had this extended break, which I'm not necessarily complaining about from a fan perspective because, like, hey, if you're on a 13-game road trip playing back-to-backs and, like, you know, four games a week or something like that it is not ideal. But from a content perspective, it, it's been a little tough out here, man. Yeah, right? Like, you go a full week and there's one game. We have a five-day break and then a four-day break with one game between it. What are we doing here? And, and I get it. Yes, you're like you say, they're on the road. If they're ever going to get this type of break, now is the time to get it. Absolutely. But can we make it just a little bit shorter? Just a little bit. And, and, and this is me just speaking about me. I'm not even thinking about the players right now, which I probably should as a, as a decent human being. Right. Um, but I'm going to be a little less decent right now and just think for myself going like, what is that? The season starts, right? And it's like, hey, there's games. But but not for like two weeks, guys, where we're going to take a two-week break. And you're going, but you just started. We had three months of nothing, and you're giving us two weeks of nothing two weeks in. What yeah. are you doing? It's a big old tease, which I, I don't like very much. But it's, uh, well, they're they're back in action tomorrow. But what we wanted to do, the, pretty much almost the entirety of this episode, because there's not a, a lot of new storylines. But we kind of wanted to go through the good, the bad, and the ugly to the Islanders start. Through seven games, they are... Three, two, and two, which is right. okay. It's not awful. It's not great. It's middle of the pack. Okay. Yeah, and I think we should start there as far as like the record itself. Because we've seen people already going like, oh my God, if they lose to Montreal, hit the panic button. <laughs> going, oh, come Look, on. I get it. Montreal stinks. I get that. I absolutely do. But that's not how it works. That that kind of goes back to like me in the schoolyard going like, we beat the best team. Now we're the best. Meanwhile, you look at our record and we've lost like every game but that one. You don't vault up to the top because you beat the best just as much as you don't vault down to the bottom or fall down to the bottom because you lost to the worst. No, obviously you want to win and we want the Islanders to win. But I'm, I'm sorry. I can't on November. Was it November 3rd? I can't be hitting the panic button on a season. I, I just can't do it. especially because they would be at 500 at that point, right? They would be three, three and two. Like, oh, come on. I, I, we can't be serious with that. No, we, we can't be serious. So if they're like that, that's eight games in. Yeah, they'd be exactly 500. Eight points from 16 games. Or sorry, eight points from eight games, which is 16 uh, of a possible 16, 16. full 500. Well, I, I don't understand what there's to complain about. Yes, obviously losing to Montreal would suck, and the first two losses would also suck. But we have to remember they're on the road, right? If we're expecting the Islanders to come out of this with a, like, I don't know, 700 win percentage with a 13-game road trip, I'm sorry, that's not what the Islanders do. That's not what the Islanders have done for years now in Rubery Trots, or most hockey teams, right? They're .571 points percentage right now. Only 10 teams had a better points percentage than, than that on the road in 2018-19, which was the last time we had a full season. Uh, only 10 teams. So if you're saying the Islanders better be better than 10 teams on the road, what are we talking about here? They've never been an excellent road team. They've been middle of the pack, maybe top of the middle at best since 2018-19. Then being 3-2-2 two, and two, just on a record in and of itself, looking at it from you know high above, it is perfectly fine, and, and I would lump that into the good category just because it's not bad, and it's certainly not ugly. No, I agree. I was trying to – I'm having an issue finding it. I was trying to look up what their road record was last year, um, 
and I, I'm able to find what their away record is when scoring first, but I'm not able to find just home versus road, which is really annoying right now. Um, I should be able to get that to you in just a second here. So their away record last year was 11-13-4. Okay, but that's the thing. Like, I feel like if you could be a, like a 500 team or a little above, obviously, in a perfect world on the road – and then take care of business at home. Obviously, you're not going to have a, a hundred win percentage at home, but you're going to win. I don't know what, sixty-five percent of your home games, seventy percent of your home games, something yeah. like that. Then you could absolutely survive like that. I feel like most teams in the league are like that. Very rarely do you have these teams who have these you know ungodly uh, win percentages or points percentages on the road. It's just, that's just not how it works in this league. The honors were 0.464 on the road in, in terms of points percentage last year. Yeah, I mean, come on. Get that a little bit over 500. I'm more than content. Right? You get that just a little bit over 500. They're not ranked fourth in the Mass Mutual East, as it was called last year. They're probably somewhere near the top. Remember, they finished only six points back of top spot, uh, two points back of Boston for third, and 11 points above the Rangers, who were in fifth. Yeah. So, like... They're a, they're a playoff team. The road record didn't impact their, their playoffs, but they, they probably would have ranked a little bit higher. But but again, they, they did all that, and they still went all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like there's, there's no reason to hit the panic button seven games or eight games into the year. It's not it's not time for that. No. And I know you wrote about that today, but I'm gl- or this week, rather. But I'm glad we brought that up because that's uh, one thing that, I think you have to start. So we're putting record into the good category at this point. I would say so. I'm gonna I'm gonna jam it in there if you don't want to. Okay. Well, I mean, it's not like if we had a, a, another category like great, it's not in a great category. <laughs> no. Um, but it's perfectly fine, right? Like, yeah, the, you know, people look at the record and they go like, "Oh my God, they're seventh of eight. And you're going, "Okay, fine, I guess they're seven of eight. But, like, they've got, what, eight points? They're two back from fifth, three back from fourth. Like, what are we talking about here? And they got a game in hand on just about everyone. They've got three games in hand on the Rangers. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like they, comparatively to the rest of the league, I feel like they've barely played. They, they have, right? Like, the seven games played is the lowest in the Metropolitan. Most of them have played eight. Some have played nine, the Washington Capitals, and ten for the Rangers. Like, right, what go. are we talking about here? If you do points percentage, um, they're seventh. So they, they jump up a spot if you do points percentage. Still not a playoff spot, obviously, but, you know, they're, it's not the end of the world. Again, seven games in. Yeah, it's... Anyway. Uh, continuing on this good trail, can we talk up the Islanders' third line a little bit? Because I yes, know that's please. been uh, a hot-button issue, uh, a... a Early on, it was, oh, my God, it's phenomenal. And I still am at it's very good. But I feel like because the points aren't there for some of them, people have shied away from that line a little bit. And I don't think that's necessarily a fair thing to do, Mitch. No, it, it really isn't a fair thing to do, I would say. And, and yes, the points aren't there comparatively to the first or even the second line that leads a team in, in, in production just on an individual basis. Um but when you look at like expected goals for for that line, they're in the top three in order. Zach Parise, Oliver Wallstrom, Jean-Gabriel Peugeot. Expected goals for 61.9, 59.89, and 59.06 for Parise, Wallstrom, Peugeot, respectively. That's top one, two, and three in order. 
No one else comes even close. Next one is Kyle Palmieri at 53.3. He's a full six points back of Jean-Gabriel Peugeot. Yeah, I don't really know what else you could possibly want. And something that I wrote about, I think it was last week at this point, but um, was guys who I thought were on the verge of breaking out due to underlying numbers. And like Peugeot absolutely has to be on that list. Parise absolutely has to be on that list. I had Anders Lee on that list as well. But just speaking on the the third line in particular, like Parise has no points right now in seven games. But I don't think any rational person is going to say he's been playing poorly because he doesn't have any points yet. Um, I, I think he's been every bit what the Islanders needed on that line. I, I, do, I can't understand anyone would be like, I need production and I, I want him gone because he hasn't scored yet. Yeah, you're right. He hasn't scored yet. But again, he leads the team in expected goals for. You have to consider what the context is for that line, how they operate and what their role is, right? Because that's important as it should be in any system and for any team, their role is to generate offense out of a defensive position. They start 60 to almost 70% of their shifts at 5-on-5 in the D zone. That means they're already under the, um, essentially under attack already. So the, uh, the possibility or the percentage of times that they're going to get a shot against rather than generating a shot for is going to be significantly higher. But they're still able to generate more scoring opportunities, we looked at expected goals for, than they are giving up. So that means, yes, they start in the D zone, but they translate that starting in the D zone and go forward. Jean-Gabriel Peugeot getting, like I think it's 55% of his face-off wins. I don't have the number in front of me, um, but, but I can get it in a second here. Obviously helps that, but that, that's still part of the line. That's how they work. He's a portion of that line. They're able to get into that ozone and then generate opportunities because of guys like Zach Parise and Oliver Walsham and Jean-Gabriel Peugeot as well. Like it's all it's all working. And yes, the points are there when you compare it to the top and the second line, but it's coming. In any Barry Trot system, that's how this works. Yeah, no, exactly. And um is there any uh, I want to bring up somebody else, but maybe I don't want to go bounce around too much so are there any other forwards that you wanted to get into on the good side anyone on the second line specifically josh bailey with who leads the team in points and that's going to anger a number of people immediately the second i say his name yeah which is uh well a good thing i like it but the last few get the last three games or so he's been significantly better he had a very slow start to the season no one's going to deny that but his play especially in the vegas game i mean he basically single-handedly won that game for the Islanders with his play there. I would say so. He's been fantastic. And the thing that everyone has to remember is that the, everyone is entrenched in their own opinion. And then they're they're then taking the absolute extreme. Like m- most of us on the pro Bailey side, just saying Bailey as in he's an elite player. We know very well he's not one of the elite players in the National Hockey League. We all know that. That is fact. That is canon. That's well established. But is he a good player for the Islanders? Yes, that is without debate. You you cannot argue that Josh Bailey is a good player out there. And his play is generating the the, the Islanders' success. Is he the sole reason they're winning? No, obviously not. And can he be a little bit better? Yeah, of course. I would love for him to be a shoot-first player, but he's not. That's just not what he does. No, uh, it isn't. But I think we sign up for five points in seven games. Uh, 
the the good that I was hinting at that I wanted to get to was someone else that people overreacted to after uh, two games, and that was Ilya Sorokin, who <laughs> um, now is sporting a 9.31 save percentage and a 2.26 goals against average. Absolutely. <laughs> Right, two games in, he's done. What a bust! Wasn't it the same thing last year? Two games in, he's a bust. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, yeah, he's just. I'm trying. I'm trying to get his goals saved above average. Uh, and he's uh, where is he here? I, I cannot I find it at, for the life I have of me. Four on Hockey Reference. Right, like, come on here. What are we? What are we complaining about? He's been fantastic, and I'm sure most of the people who are or maybe down on him. And then maybe you could say the same. Like, do you think that most of the people who are down on him after those first two games are kind of like, oh boy, okay, boy, was I wrong? No, because the same people who did it last year. God, Jesus, people, come on, man. Right? Like, it's not like, oh, I learned my lesson the first time. I'm not going to make that mistake again. It's right back on the horse. Right. I guess it's like this this narrative they've got be like, uh, it didn't work last year, but I'm going to hold on to it. And the second he's bad, ha ha! Yeah. And then you go like, well, yeah, he was bad that one game, but look at all these other games that he was really good in. Yeah, what about the two shutouts? How do we feel about that? <laughs> the two shutouts and then carrying them in a number of games where they didn't get shut out. Like, he has been, again, like I said with Bailey, not the reason they're winning, like like the only reason they're winning, but he's a strong contributor as to why they're winning. Again, he can't score goals, right? He can't score them, but he can certainly prevent them. And he's keeping the Islanders in these games um, from at, at least after the first two. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt. Obviously, it was ugly early on, but his turnaround has been one phenomenal. And I, I just don't understand... Like, why, why is this a surprise to people? He did the same exact thing last year, and he did the same thing in the KHL. Yeah, like, he he's going to take, he always takes a little bit. It's not that he always starts slow. In the KHL, he never did. I looked at the numbers. There's not a single slow start for him. Um, I just wanted to make sure I was right in saying what I said, and I was incorrect that he's a slow starter. But he seems to be a slow starter at the NHL level, right? We've got two years, and it happens back-to-back years. Uh, but that doesn't mean he's not adapting to the situation around him. And that's exactly what he's doing. He's learning, adapting, and molding his game. And he's getting better every other day. Um, so I don't, I don't understand what where, where anyone could say he's not good. Because he very clearly is. Yeah, I, I don't understand that. But absolutely, uh, things you love to see. Is there anyone else in the good category that you want to hit before we start moving to bad? There's probably other people I can get to, and just because I didn't say them or you, or you didn't say them doesn't mean they don't belong there. So you, listener at home, enter in your own good. Um, but I think we should now transition to, to the bad and then get to the ugly in a little bit there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is it harsh to put Noah Dobson in the bad category? Um, no, I don't think so. I'm not I'm not talking ugly, but he's yeah, just yeah. he's underwhelmed me a little bit. Um and I feel like that that might be a little bit of a controversial take to some, but I know I know he has the three points, um, but I, I just I anticipated with Nick Letty gone and Devontae's gone that he would come in and have a more defined role. And really, it's been inconsistent. There's been games where he's gotten the twenty minutes of ice time and it has looked okay, and then there's been other times where he's playing fourteen minutes 
And you see why, because he's not winning any puck battles, and he looks lost at times in his own end. And it's like, I don't know, it's just a little frustrating. That's all. No, I think you're absolutely bang on to put him in the bad category. Not to say that he's been atrocious out there, because you're right. You point to those three points. That's something. And he's been decent enough in terms of transporting the puck. But he, you're absolutely, you're dead on. Like, bang on. If I had a nail, I would hit it in the head right now. Um, because that's exactly what you just did. He's not picking up the the baton, right, after Nick Letty left. It was held back for him, and he fumbled. Uh, doesn't mean he won't pick it back up and run with it again. It just me- right means that right out of the gate so far, he's fumbled with that assignment. Can he eventually get there? Yeah, I think so. But but so far, not so good in terms of that regard. I, I, I would totally agree with everything you just said there with about Noah Dobson. Because the thing is, and I don't know if it's necessarily fair to compare the two, but they are going to be compared when where they were taken. And I'm talking about Oliver Wallstrom and Noah Dobson because they were taken with back-to-back picks. I, I just feel like that Oliver Wallstrom is a little bit more, I, I don't know, a little further ahead than Noah Dobson in term of the in terms of their progression right now. And maybe it's because Dobson was here earlier and is maybe asked to do a little bit more playing in a what I guess is a top four role versus with uh Wallstrom who's playing on the third line and really hasn't been asked to do a whole lot more than that. Maybe that's part of it. But I, I just look at Oliver Wallstrom's play where he has four goals in seven games and we're starting to be like, oh my God, like the Islanders found their sniper where with Noah Dobson, it's not like, Oh my God, this is a surefire top four guy. It's he has that potential. Maybe he's that, but he hasn't shown it nearly enough yet. Yeah. I think there's maybe moving of the goalposts when it comes to Noah Dobson. Cause you're, I think with him, it's that you, you come in or he comes in and it's, they don't really have a spot for him. So it's just pick up what you can. And then it's, you're going to play bottom pair minutes and just do whatever. And then it's, now you're a Nick Letty replacement. And it's like, okay, well, now i got to, you know, constantly evolve and change my game. And I don't think he's the only young player to have that kind of thrown at him. That's how it works. Uh, but I expect that there's going to be something, some stumbling out of the gates. And that's exactly what's happening. Doesn't mean that because I expect it that, you know, he should then being in the good category because he's doing exactly what I want. No, ideally, I would hope for him to pick up the baton right away and run with it. But I, I expect there's going to be some some baton fumbling, and there is so far. How long that goes is what's going to be the issue here, right? Like, they need him to be Nick Letty 2.0, as close to it as possible. He will never be exactly Nick Letty. He's not as, as smooth of a skater as Nick Letty is. He's not as fast as a skater. He's better. He's got better instincts on both sides of the puck than Nick Letty does, I would say. Uh, but he doesn't have that pure transporter role that Nick Letty did. And I think the Islanders are realizing that right now, um, which kind of sucks because they don't really have someone to take up that role right away. No, they, they don't. They, they, they clearly don't. They were hoping that Dobson was going to do that, but he hasn't so far. Um, this year. And maybe that was asking too much of him. I mean, he's still only 22 years old. Um, I get it. And overall, I mean, his average ice time right now is 18 minutes, 15 seconds, which is a massive improvement from what we've seen. But there's still those times where he's getting, you know, 14 to 16 minutes a night, which I thought were going to be long gone by this point. Yeah, I thought so too. But 
Yeah, I, there's nothing more to say than I, than I thought so too. So hopefully that changes because he's earned it, not just because we want Barry to change that number, but hopefully he starts earning that as quickly as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, who else in the bad category did you want to get to? Um, I don't want to harp on defensemen too much, um, but I do want to make a slight note that Ryan Pollock has not looked great so far. Yes. Uh, so in one of the post-game shows, the most recent post-game show, actually, that's right. Uh, you went on a little rant, which was great. I loved it. Um, but can we transition some of that onto, onto here or just the main gist of what you were saying there? The main gist of what I was saying is that Ryan Pollock has not looked great. And it is not because he's paired with Zidane Chara. It's not me looking at his analytics, uh, although the analytics don't look great. They don't look great for anyone on the, on the back end, really. Um, it's he has not looked good irrespective of whoever he's on the ice with. So don't give me the, oh, he's paired, paired with Zidane Chara, and that's why he doesn't look great. No, no, he's making dumb decisions on his own. Like in that last game, transports the puck up the ice, creates a 2-on-0, can't clear the net, creates the game-tying goal against Nashville. Like just boneheaded decisions in and of himself, on his own, has nothing to do with anyone else. And so we need to talk about Ryan Pollock as a collective and say he hasn't been up to snuff. He can, of course. We've seen it for years now where he's a good player. He just hasn't been there recently. And he, he, he needs to step it up. It has not been great for him so far. No. Uh, absolutely not. And I, I think that's <clears throat> completely, that's completely fair and, and, you know, rational to put it like that. Um, but he's proven that he, he can be much better. So he's not someone that I'm worried about, right? You're not either. No, I wouldn't be worried about him at all. Um, and whatsoever, I, I think it'll be fine, but, uh, it, he, he's got that quality. It's just, he needs to pull it through. Even if he's playing with the Dano Chara, you still have to be a capable defense. You can't be giving away the puck in the neutral zone and leading to a 2 on 0 You can't do that ever, 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 ever. No, absolutely. He's a better player than that. He knows better than that. I think he'd be the first one to admit that too. Absolutely. Um, so when it comes to bad outside of the blue line, it's hard to pick on, on a specific forward, I guess. Maybe... Not, not even. I can't even pick Kyle Palmieri. He's been fine. Not great, but fine. Bellows? Lee's, I guess, yeah. I, I, that has to be him. Because it's not Russ Johnson. He just earned a four-year contract for reasons. Um, but yeah, Bellows. It, it's what, what is going on there? Uh, don't know. In his two games, averaging 9 minutes, 29 seconds, uh, a Michael Dalcolian uh, likes that numbers across the board. Just really not a whole lot going on. Obviously, not a regular. They only played two of the seven games, but just did not look the part in his limited action. No, it just does not look like he's going to be able to stick with this team. Maybe if he goes somewhere else, a change of scenery can do him some good, like like a lot of players, but it is not looking good for Kiefer Bellows. I know you've already tossed over the B word. Yes. Tossed around the B word. Uh, I, I was not ready, but like you're not necessarily totally wrong because we're five years in and he still isn't able to crack this team. I understand it's a championship caliber team, but Oliver Wallstrom has been able to do it. Noah Dotson has been able to do it. Robin Salah will probably do it as soon as in the next couple of months. Um, other rookies have been able to crack this lineup. He hasn't, so that's on him. Absolutely. Um, for the ugly... Now, I guess that brings it to uh, the name that is going to jump out here is Zidane Chara. And 
I am not going to sit here and defend him and say that he's been good. He hasn't. He's in the ugly category for a reason. But I'm also not someone who is saying that he needs to get off this team right now. I don't I don't think that they're going to make a, a drastic change like that right now. Well, okay. I'm I'm kind of with you there. If they let let's just Sus like uh, flesh out that argument. Mm-hmm. If Char goes, who comes in? Right, like Salo. Salo. I mean, that's who they want. But like, he's a, he's still a rookie. He's played six, eight games, I think it is, at the AHL level. I don't have the exact number in front of me here. Um, it's not a whole lot. And yeah, he's got those four points, and he's able to move the puck, and he's getting acclimated to that North American game, and seems to do well. But I I don't think he's there yet as much as I. Sorry, I should say he's he's ready for the NHL. I I've got a real hard time spitting this one out. He's he's ready for the NHL. I just don't think that the Islanders are ready for him. Okay, okay. Can can you explain? Can you explain that a little bit more? I think the Islanders aren't ready for him. And what I mean by that is because they don't really acclimate to rookies that quickly. They will bring them in, but their whole game is we will minimize the number of mistakes that we can make. And you're probably at home screaming like, but Zidane Char is making mistakes. I, I, I understand that. My argument here is not to, is to say that they feel that the mistakes that Zidane Char is committing can be worked out right to them they're working on the premise of class is permanent form is temporary and he's currently in not a great form barry trotz basically said exactly that just the other day right like he didn't start off great he's going a little bit better things are going to work out um but with uh robin sallow they don't know what type of player he is yet because he hasn't performed at the nhl level so they have no right when you look at the class is permanent form is temporary argument they don't know what his class is they don't know they have no idea. We can all extrapolate or figure out what, or believe what it could be or what it should be, but we still don't know what it is. And so for them, that unknown is a plethora of mistakes. They they just don't want to bring in, even though it might be less than Zidane Ochara, right? It's kind of like the Donald Rumsfeld thing, as much as I don't like to say this, like you'd rather deal, oh, I can't even get his quote right. Essentially, you don't want to deal with your the unknowns. Yeah, yeah. The unknowns are worse than the knowns. I mean, that's been their MO from day one here. This is, that's no surprise that that's the logic with this because since they've got here in 2018, that's been the case. And I like Robin Salo as a prospect. I think he has a really good shot of making this team next year because you'd have to imagine that both Char and Green aren't going to be back. So they're going to need some uh, reinforcements there. Um, And I'd imagine that he would kind of get the no adoption treatment at that point. But I just can't, in my mind, wrap around the idea of putting someone in with six games at the North American level in the AHL and saying, okay, this is a team that we're trying to compete for a championship with, and you're going to play right away. I don't, I, don't buy, I don't buy it. Maybe if we're in March and these issues are still happening, this is a completely different conversation we're having because he's got, what, half a season at that point in the AHL? That's a little bit more realistic of a conversation to have. But on November, what is it again? November 3rd, I I think it's too early. Yeah, like he's got eight games. The Islanders have seven games played. Um, 
You're absolutely right. If these issues persist, even in, like after Christmas, yes, Gen- yeah, yeah, pr- the, this, this change will probably be made. Um, but we also have to remember, you pulls it in Ochar out. Who's playing? Um, I want to get his actual. Uh, let me let me pull it up before I spit out my back end here. I, I just want to get the average ice time. Eighteen minutes of average ice time this year. You pull him out. Are you giving Green eighteen minutes of average ice time? Mm-mm. No, he hasn't done that f- ever since he arrived. So no, that doesn't seem like something they're going to do. So where does that where do those minutes go? You're going to put Robin Salo getting eighteen minutes a night. I uh, I'm sorry. I, I, as much as I would love to see that, the Islanders who are who are run by Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo are not about to give an untrusted rookie. 18 minutes a night on the back end. They haven't done it with Noah Dobson. They're not going to do it with him. No, yeah, that's the thing. Like, why would he be the exception to the rule? Exactly. So that that to, then it necessitates a trade, which we're not getting into in this discussion. But like, then the idea would be they must be going after someone on the trade market, like a Hampus Limholm type of thing, which might very well be the case. In that case, you can keep Robin Sal in the AHL and just he doesn't have to worry about anything. Just play your game, dominate, do your thing. Um, and then the honors would be okay. Right. But that's a completely, as you said, a completely different conversation. But Chara has to be in the ugly category. Is there any other player that you're putting in this category? In the ugly category? I, I can't really put another player in has been like that atrocious or anything has been that atrocious. Maybe the power play has been better recently. But the reason I'm putting the power play in there is because it's been three years now. <laughs> totally fair. Right, three years of absolutely suboptimal power play outside of that of last year. Right, for a portion last year, the Islanders' power play was absolutely dominant, punking on every other Islanders' power play before it, at least under Barry Trotz. Um, something needs to change, and it's clearly not necessarily coaching. I'm not running at the defense of Jim Hillier necessarily, but we've gone from Scott Gomez to Jeff Hillier, and the results haven't changed. The only constant there is. A, Barry Trotz, and B, the players. And I think it's the players that are at play here. The players aren't good enough or doing the right things when it comes to the power play. So something needs to change there because the power play is absolutely ugly. I understand they got two goals against Nashville the other day, but I think even then with with that, they're still not in the top half in terms of power play percentage. I'm just going to go and look to make sure here that I'm not spewing nonsense. Um, before I spew it, I guess it's too late after I spew it. Um, but the Islanders are, where are they here? I can't find them because I'm looking for the word and I, I just can't see it anymore. Islanders are 16th. They're right there in the middle of 20%. Oh my God. They still need to be better. The, the, the result right now is buoyed by those two goals. Yes. No, right. that- so outside of that Nashville game, they have a horrendous power play. Horrendous. Right. It's not as epically bad as Vegas. That's still at zero percent, um, <laughs> but it, it is bad. No, it's it's very it's very not good, and they haven't been consistent in years on the power play. What what's the fix? What do you do? I wish it was that easy to be like, just do this, because um, they've got problems all over the place, right? They don't pass the puck around enough with any sort of desire or or, or uh, um, urgency they can't gain the zone right they're constantly following over themselves when it comes to entering the zone um, they, they don't seem to have an issue 
entering the zone at five on five, right? Obviously, because the defensive scheme is differently from the the defensive team, right? They stack the blue line, whereas they don't do that at five on five. But still, they don't have a problem when uh, they have this like structured dump-ins, right? Where they dump it in where they know they're going to retrieve it. I don't understand why they don't do that more frequently on the power play. They really like carrying it in, but their carrying schemes are either known by the defense or easily blocked because no one else seems to know what they're doing outside of Matthew Barzell. Yeah. Uh, are you still frustrated by Josh Bailey on the power play? 100%. He needs to be in like the, I don't even know where. I was going to say like in the high bumper slot, but he's still, the, he doesn't shoot. If you're going to be in that spot, you got to be able to shoot. And he's not a shot threat. No, that's that's exactly the issue, unfortunately. If if he's going to be anywhere, it's behind, below the goal line. Yeah, that's the only place he's had success on the power play, right? It's the only place he could have success, right? Because, again, he's not a shoot-first guy. We all know that. I love him as a player, but I still recognize the flaws in his game. And as he's not a shooter, like the, the numbers are very clear on that. Um, and so is the eye test. So, like, you know, when t- the powers combine, they form Captain Planet. And in this case, <laughs> it's not shooting Josh Bailey as Captain Planet. Um, behind the goal line is the best place for him. But that that's Barzal's role. That's where Barzal's at. Right, because that's the the roamer. That's the roamer spot. Maybe on power play two, that's where Josh Bailey needs to be. Okay, you can maybe sell me on that idea. Right, take him off power play one, put him on power play two, have him in the roamer spot below the goal line, and then you bump up. I I, I don't remember the exact pairings because they they change fluidly, but whoever's in that, I don't know that that spot then, or whoever's a good a good shot on the on the the, the half wall on the right side, put him there. Whatever, Anthony Beauvillier, put him there, right? Left shot, shoot first guy, put him on the first power play on the on the, the half wall on the right side. Done. Sure, and then Wallstrom on the other side, I guess. Right, or Palmieri, although like he's used on the bumper. I, I wish he would be used on the side instead, but yeah, absolutely. Put him there. Perfect. Sure, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. I think that's... If you're going to find any success with Bailey on the power play, that's the spot for him to do it. Yeah. What about you? Is there anything else that, that sticks out to you that's been ugly? Not really. No. I, I can't. I can't really think of anything else that's been ugly so far. Um, maybe the fact that they're still on the road and it's November third, but like that means we're 17 days away from UBS opening, buddy. Let's go. Cannot wait for that. Same thing. Can't wait. Oh. Anyways, so I, I think we've gone through the good, the bad, and the ugly here. Yeah. Let's do down on the farm. Okay, so um, Aturatu went off today. Oh, these are things you like to see. First game for with I'm going to pronounce this incorrectly, and Tia's is going to hate me, but Yukurit, um put up a goal, the game winner, two assists, four shots on goal, 53% on the faceoff, and over 18 minutes of ice time. Mm. Was finished with the first star, was absolutely, I wouldn't say dominant, but was a, a force out there for Yukurit. That's huge because obviously, you know, he changes teams, wasn't getting a, a ton of playing time where he was healthy scratch and stuff like that. And it's OK, you're going to get 18 minutes now. I mean, massive difference. Big difference. He had a huge confidence boost. Um, yes, he's playing for a, a lower, I'm going to say caliber team, but it's not even just that. It's he he's playing on a team that clearly wants to put him in a spot that that he can flourish. And he's playing with the, the team's top score. Um but like it's and he's playing power play time. He's getting penalty kill time. This kid is getting time. And if you're an Islanders fan, results aside, sorry, I keep burping because 
my God, this beer I'm drinking is very hoppy. Very, very hoppy. It's absolutely delicious, but it is... Whew. Anyways, um, if you're an Islanders fan, and if you're listening to this, I don't see why you wouldn't be, uh, all you care about is this kid getting ice time, irrespective of the results. You don't care if he's scoring goals, although you want that, and you don't care if he's putting up points, although you want it. What you want to see is game time, because all you want is for when this kid gets to North America, and he should be here as early as next year, um, you want this kid to have as many reps under his belt as possible. The fact that he's getting goals and assists is gravy. And and that's that's heaven for me already. We love it. Um exactly. And so like things are going in the right direction. Does he keep putting up three points a game at the at the uh, legal level? No. His his production is going to dry up. Don't get used to it. Um but he's in a role where he's going to be allowed to let his skills shine and that's all you should care about. That I I love it. I can't wait to see what he does there the rest of the year. Yeah, exactly, right? So like that's the thing, right? It's still really early in the year. They play till March. There are like I think 10, 12 games into the season. It's incredible. And it's maybe maybe more than that, maybe 14 games into the year. They still got another like a bunch of games to go. He's going to have so much ice time when he's done. This is not going to be like he's playing every other day. Now he's playing every day in the top 6 on the power play on the penalty kill. Incredible. Love it. Um, other than that, there's not a whole lot of action going on. It's also been quiet in terms of prospects. But um, I want to talk about Simon Holmstrom. Because okay. Simon Holmstrom has been catching a lot of SHIT for years. Mm-hmm. And, and, and rightfully so, because he hasn't been doing much since he arrived in, in the Islander system. But he's having a really good year for Bridgeport. He's got five points in eight games, had a three-point game the other night where he looked he looked like a first-round pick. And, and he's now cracked my personal top five for prospects. I track their NHLE for every game. And he's now top five. Well, actually, he's number six. Aturatu just bounced him out today. Um, but he's right there in the, in the top six, we'll say, for Islanders prospects with an NHLE of 19.9, meaning he's... He's basically scoring at a 20-point pace at the NHL level, at the AHL level, which you might say, like, oh, 20 isn't a lot. This is the Islander system, mind you. <laughs> you have to take that into account. It's also double what he did last year. He had seven points last year, seven points at the AHL level for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. He's got five already. I mean, that tells you all you need to know right there. Because last, exactly. I mean, last year we were beating him up a little bit, but all the storyline all offseason was this has to be the year he figures it out a little bit, and so far so good. Exactly. There's one person that reached out to me, JP and VA reached out to me on, on Twitter, and I, and I really I use it in one of my videos, and I'm going to use it again here. I, I'm sorry, JP, if you didn't want me to talk about it, but I, I think it's too good. And it was during the Nashville game, and he said, I, I still wish we had Tomasino, but I'm glad we don't need Holmstrom. Right, and so the idea okay. there is that we're at a point where, like, Tomasino is clearly the the better prospect. That's easy. And Tomasino, if you don't know, was taken twenty fourth overall as far as Holmstrom was taken twenty third in twenty nineteen, and he's already playing at the NHL level, whereas Holmstrom is not. But the Islanders aren't in a place where they need Tomasino, or, or in this case, Holmstrom to hit. Right, they don't need that. They they want it. They desperately want it to happen. But if he doesn't hit, where, where's the loss? 
right? Their, their window's open and they don't have Holmstrom. They don't need Holmstrom to keep that window open. So this is all a win. If he takes in three, four years to figure it out, by all means. Yeah, it's not like they need a top six forward in the next two years. Yeah. Obviously, you want it, right? Like, anyone at home, like, well, we want that. Yes. Yes. But the Islanders, again, their window isn't being propped up by Simon Holmes from kicking the window open, right? Like, their window is open because the entire team is working together holding it open. Um, Simon Holmstrom would be great if he does hit and becomes that elite-level player. I don't think he ever will be. He's going to be, at best, a middle six winger and, and at the NHL level, at best. Yeah, that might be optimistic. Yeah, and, and that's perfectly fine. Um, other than that, Anatoly Golishev also... The AHL is they're doing very well, the Bridgeport. I mean, by very well, I mean like relative relatively to last year. Um, Golishev is a point per game player at the AHL level with five points in five games. Uh, he looks great, absolutely great. I wouldn't be surprised if they call him up soon. Really? Well, Bellows has been not good, right? And there's, there's going to be injuries. So why not have a guy who's actually shown that he can do something? Okay. I mean, I'm not opposed to it. I just, do you think they're going to waive be- uh, Bellows? Well, that's the thing, right? Because if they do, then Bellows has to go, like you said, waivers, and someone's going to pick him up. So you try to find a trade for him. You try to get, like, maybe another first-round pick that isn't working out, or, or you try to get, like, a second-round pick for him or, or something. You can't just let him go away for free. Yeah, I mean, you got to do something at this point, but I don't see it working here. Absolutely. So that's that's really it in terms of the updates when it comes to the prospect pool. I, I've been in touch with Russian Lishkov, and he's still, um, the, the foot still isn't perfect. Sorry, my parents are texting me because my dad's hunting and he caught a deer. Um, and I was looking at my phone, looking for the updates from, from Russian Lishkov. Uh, he, he's doing better. Uh, he's going for a scan, I believe it was last week. Uh, haven't heard a result yet, but like he he's getting closer and closer towards uh, getting back to the ice for Adler Mannheim. Uh, not that they've necessarily, I'm sure they've missed him, but they, yeah. they they've been winning without him type of thing. Gotcha. So should we do the quiz? Let's do the quiz. As we do every week, that was a very nasally as either way. Um, we have a mystery New York. I'm gonna be very baritone from here on in. A mystery New York Islander for you, Matt, and you at home to guess. You have five clues to guess. They get progressively easier as they go. Are you ready? Let's do it. First one. I played for the Windsor Spitfires. I Am I about to make it two in a row? Uh, probably. Did I give it away already? Well, no. Last week, if you remember, I got on the first guess, but I'm going to throw out a guess. Usually I don't know these off the top of my head. Josh Hosang. Holy crap! Yes! Oh, let's go! <laughs> That's why I always start with these. So, like, there's no way. I thought you were going to right away stumble. Like, it's not Josh Bailey. We just did that last week. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. <laughs> <Let's> wow. <go. laughs> All right. Damn. Two. Uh, I was. Tra- I thought I should have started with this one, I guess. I was traded for Dominic Masson and Jonathan McLeod. I would, I would have had no idea. No idea. Uh, three, you may have got it on this one. That's why I got it a little bit easier. Uh, I scored at nearly a 0.5 points per game pace. I was deceptive here because it's 0.43 for Josh Lozang at the NHL level. And then four, I was sent to Sweden. 
So maybe at this point, you're maybe like, okay, well, I know Josh was saying was sent to Sweden, but maybe you thought, uh, maybe he's talking about Bodie Wild. I don't know. Yeah. And then five is things started with punctuality issues. There, there we go. I would have gotten it there. See, I think I it's the got... order. You guys ah, change the order a little bit. Damn it. That's two in a row. First one. My God, that's on me. That's on me. I'm sorry, listener at home. I, I've, I've effed up. Oh, I and, and so the reason I bring up Josh was saying is not just because I, I want to, even though he's his stat line at the AHL level is hilarious. He has six games played, five points. Can you guess where all those points come from? I would, knowing him, I would say they're all assists, except they're all goals. <laughs> okay, that <laughs> he makes no sense. Have a single assist. That's strange, but okay. Uh, but it does come from from a reason. Josh was saying, and this comes from Everyday Isles, who says, uh, who, who quoted what what he had said recently. New York was amazing. They were kind, and they tried their best to figure me out. I was just so different from what they wanted, and that's on me, not them. How about that? Some maturity. Holy hell! Can we sign him back again? Oh my God, uh, obviously not. Like, but still, that is, oh. Okay. Oh, Josh, my God, coming in hot. Yeah. Uh, I, With some I don't truth know. bombs. Yeah, de- definitely some very, very truth bombs there. But I don't know. I, I, I'm rooting for him. I want to see him get another crack at the NHL. Um, He's just a spark plug, man. He was a lot of yeah. fun. He is. I, I, I wish him the best. And so far, again, five points, five goals. Like Josh saying, had ten goals in a full year at the HL level once, once didn't crack double digits. He's probably going to do that this year on a decent AHL Marley's team. So like, um, yeah, things are going well for him, and I'm glad for it. Yeah, no doubt, love it. So let's get to the social. What do we got going around there, Mitch? My first social segment comes from TSN Sports. Says whose NHL number is not retired, but really should be. And obviously, this is in an Islanders context. Right? Uh, uh, that was my first thing. Going like, there isn't really an obvious answer. No. Do you have one? Do you have someone in mind? I would say Pat LaFontaine would be the closest thing to it. Yeah, that's where my head went. But I don't. was he here long enough? Well, so that's where I'm at, too. Like... Uh, he was here quite a while, right? And his, his stats are pretty damn good. Um, so he's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years with the Islanders. That's pretty long, right? And he's got a 105-point year in 89-90, 54 goals. Unbelievable. Has only two years, not two years, four years with less than 40 goals. Two of those are 30-goal years, by the way. Unreal. <laughs> Most of those are 40 to 50 goal years. Uh, he's he's on the fence. He's the closest one, I, I would well, say. If Oh, this isn't going to be a popular take. No, I already don't. I already disagree, and I'm a fan of his. No, no, no. I was going to say, my, my, my t- unless you know what I'm about to say here. but I believe you're going to say number 12. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Right, I was going to say, okay. if if Butch Goring's number can be up in the rafters, then Pat LaFontaine's probably should be, too. Oh, yeah, 100%. Absolutely. But yeah, without question. But um, in yeah. the, you were talking about number 12. I think if the Islanders win a, a Stanley Cup, then he's going up in the rafters. 
Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I don't think that's. I can't. I can't disagree with that anymore. If he doesn't win a cup, I don't want to see his number there because he's got the most games played for the Islanders. That's such a flimsy thing to have him up in the rafters for. But if you you've got that and you've got a cup, all right. Okay, I can't. I can't argue anymore. You got a cup that that shuts me up right there and then. Oh, uh, and I kind of just want to see it to watch the world burn, kind of. Thing, you know what I mean? <laughs> it would. That would burn half of Long Island. <laughs> I love it. I guess then we would find out where all the the Bailey haters are. If it's all like on Mon in, in, on Montauk or whatnot, I'm <laughs> sure they're not that far out. I'm sure there's a lot of Bailey supporters out there. Oh my god, that's good. Oh. Uh, Okay, that that was a thinker, Mitch. I like that. Thanks. My my first one is Ivana Spade on Twitter. She says, "I'm not a fan of the large gaps of years in between Isles games," <laughs> which that made me laugh out loud. So I just had to share. <laughs> it does feel like years between games, right? The Nashville game seems so long ago, and that was, was just last week. And Saturday, I Saturday. Oh my God, those three days ago. Four? I don't... Mm-hmm. The concept of time is beyond... I can't... <laughs> I don't even know what day of the week it is right now. I Well, I guess I know it's Wednesday, but like it took me by surprise today, for sure. Yeah. So there you go. My next one comes from Jason Kopp, and I think you've all seen this, and if you haven't, go look at it. Jason tweets out to me, says, If you can make this the social segment special of the week, the costume will have been worth it. So it's him, dressed up as an Islanders player hosting what I believe is his girlfriend dressed as the Stanley Cup. Phenomenal. I <laughs> One, I'm so glad that you remembered to share that because I did see it and it was phenomenal. That made the rounds too. That, a bunch of other pages picked that up. Phenomenal, phenomenal costume. Could not have done it better myself. Just tremendous work. And then Mike Ferrari steps in. You low-key look like Barzi. I thought it was him for a second. That is a one hell of a compliment. It's not to say that Jason does not look like it. It's true. But like if anyone came up to me and said like, hey, you look like Matthew Barzell, I would immediately run home and take a picture of my face because there's no way I'm ever going to look that good again. Yeah, I was going to say my, my ego would be through the roof. If someone said that to me. <laughs> so good job, Jason. My Halloween costume, I was a princess. My, my daughter wanted me to be a princess with her. So like I was pink, pink tutu and everything. All right. Good. Good. Uh, nice father-daughter moment there for you on Halloween. Absolutely. What were you for Halloween? Were you anything? Uh it's very it's very niche, but it it's uh well, it's kind of on brand. So I I dressed up as a a podcast uh host, what? which is very <laughs> okay. um so there's this show called Hey Babe. It's with Sal Volcano, who's on a show called Impractical Jokers, and uh Krista Stefano, who's a comedian from New York. Uh and they they started a podcast like during the quarantine and I just got obsessed with it. And so did my girlfriend Taylor. So um, we dressed up as them, as the joke. And like their podcast, they film on like, if, if anyone who listens also listens to that show, they film like they sit on a couch and they're like uncomfortably close to each other. <laughs> like for two men on the on a couch. So we kind of got a picture where we're, we're like on top of each other, like pretending like we're doing a show. So okay, I thought you were just dressed as like general no. podcasters, like that's a cop out. No, 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 no. It's like going to high school and be like writing on a white T-shirt, high school student. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not that cheap. It was more for the, uh, yeah, I don't know. We were we kind of obsessed with that show, so that's why. 
That is fair enough. It's it's a for you costume, and I'm all for it. There we go. Uh, my last one comes from the Islanders' official account. They said, 14 years ago today, Al Arbor returned behind the bench to coach the Isles for the 1500th and final time. Um, that was a really good day in Islanders in Islanders history. That was one of my early Islanders memories. Yeah, that was a good one, right? Like he comes in, gets a, gets a win on game fifteen hundred, so it doesn't seal it off. But like, oh, I just did it. Now nah, gets a win out of it too, uh, and then everyone's on the ice when the banner goes up. It's just absolutely uh, good feels all the way around. Yeah, that was a really cool moment. Absolutely good stuff. Um, I I don't have anything else. I had another one, but it's it's really just the same thing that you had. So like, we don't need to get into it again. It's it's the same thing. So before we go, please make sure to subscribe wherever you are listening to the show. Leave a rating and review. That really helps us out a lot. We appreciate all the love and support from each and every one of you. You can follow along with us on social me- on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. Uh, I'm Matt O'Leary NY on Twitter. And Mitch is at TLO Mitch if you want to follow us as well. Facebook, facebook.com slash eyes on aisles. You can download the fan sided app and get us there or visit the website eyes on aisles.com. You could also subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles, and you get a whole bunch of bonus content. You get a mailbag show, post game podcast, Discord channel. It's a lot of fun over there, right, Mitch? Absolutely. Discord channel was going off earlier about like the whole Jack Eichel trading to uh being traded to calgary potentially uh and the, the package involved and then we got the mailbag coming up not a whole lot of questions but that happens when the islanders don't play for 20 years that's what it feels like so that's gonna do it for us thank you so much for tuning in today i'm matt o'leary he's mitch anderson and we'll talk to you next time At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.